welcome to the Mindful Living Podcast. I'm your host, Athea Davis. Are you ready to become the person everyone loves, including yourself? Imagine being filled with purpose, joy, and focused energy every single day. I guide kids to gain their inner calm and adults to spark their inner child. Each week, I will give you fun, practical, and relatable, mindfully infused inspiration, insights, and information that you can directly apply in your life, family, and school or business. So let's get started. Hey there, and welcome to Mindful Living with me, your host, Athea Davis. You are listening to the Student Voices series, episode 126, Student Life, Culture, and Well-Being, Part 1, with my special guest today, Charles O. I am so filled with joy, almost giddy. Okay, let's be honest, I am giddy because I had the honor of teaching Charles, when he was in fifth grade and sixth grade, and he is currently a seventh grader. And I'm going to get to a little bit about Charles, but I had this idea and I kept thinking how awesome it would be to have a couple of my former middle school students on the show to talk about their own personal experience with mindful living and mindfulness practices and what's going on with student life and culture and well-being. So you can not hear it from me or some other, you know, teacher or expert in the field, but you get to hear directly from the students themselves. And they were really thrilled to have the opportunity to come on and share their story. So, I had Charles on and we talked about what it's like to be a student in the world today, how mindfulness is helping him navigate many aspects of life and school, and how he uses mindfulness to build resilience. Let me give you a little bit of information about Charles. Charles O is a seventh grade uh, or seventh grader currently attending Kip Journey Collegiate. He was formally introduced to mindfulness in fifth grade, and he has practiced it in some form ever since, whether it be in the academic setting or beyond the classroom. He enjoys reading books, particularly those centered around historical fiction. He also has a passion for mathematics. Most of all, though, he understands the pressure that accompanies a perpetual striving for excellence. So without further ado, If you are an educator or a parent or you work with kids, teens, in any way, this episode is definitely for you. And if if you have been wondering about how mindfulness impacts students and you want to hear it directly from the students, this is your opportunity. I really am so excited about highlighting uh, a couple of student voices and uh, Charles is one of them. So I hope you enjoy listening to episode 126 here on the Student Voices series, Student Life, Culture, and Wellbeing Part 1 with my special guest today, 7th grader Charles O. And I will see you on the flip side. Enjoy. Well, I want to welcome you, Charles, to Mindful Living with Athea Davis. So excited to have you on the show today. 
Yeah, I really think it's wonderful that you're giving me this opportunity to just express myself because I really think there can be insight found if a student, someone who is familiar with the environment, is able to share that knowledge with people outside of it or people who may have been within it in the past and may not know how to navigate it now. I love that. I love it. Charles, I think you're an amazing student and I'm really honored to have you here today. And I just, I want to dive right into what is it like growing up as a teen today? You know, we just, in some sense, we have access to everything we ever wanted at our fingertips, you know, and several years ago, that was not the case. And that can have many gifts and blessings, and it can also have many challenges. And we are also still learning and teaching in a pandemic. And I would just love to hear from a teen's perspective. What is it like growing up and being in school, still in a pandemic? What are the stressors? What, you know, all the good, bad, ugly. Yeah. So one of the stressors has really been some sort of debilitating perfectionism. Mm. And this has had a form in, this has taken its form in many ways, and it's been very taxing. It's been very cumbersome. And it's had an incredible burden upon my life because every time I fail or every time I feel like I make a blunder or mistake, I feel as though that's the end of the world. As though it's so very black and white, there's no nuance, there's no complexity, and there's no way for me to say or to state or to proclaim that somehow this is something that's just a part of the overall learning process to succeed. And another thing with the pandemic is simply being not being able to connect with people as on as much of a personal level. Because during the pandemic, I actually was sort of separated from my best friend and we haven't really talked to each other. And that's because we haven't really been able to relate to each other that much ever since I moved to another school, the one I'm currently at, and he's been at another school. And so now even with the pandemic, he's had so many other challenges and I've had my own that we've really have had to try and filter out all of these negative different stimuli and not really being able to rely or be dependent upon each other anymore, just because we're not able to really engage with each other with each other on that level. And I think a lot of people are experiencing that now because mm-hmm. it's just not available, uh, especially now with the pandemic uh, and having only to be able to look at a screen and have it so digital. And I really think there's some power in being able to look face-to-face with another person. Yeah, agreed. It's great to be able to instantaneously connect. It's great to be able to connect with people from all over the world to understand and learn about all kinds of different cultures in ways that we've never been able to before, right? And in real time. And yet there's something so beautiful and so sacred about that face-to-face time. Certainly agree with that. And, you know, having that period of time where we weren't at school or you, you may have been doing school from home. And I, I think you were one of the students for a period of time that you were doing school from home and then now coming back to school and just being in masks and just having different rules around whatever COVID variant may be up and running and things changing from day to day, that can be stressful. That can be cumbersome. So thank you for sharing, you know, those struggles that you're going through. And I'm curious from a more, from 
from the education perspective and, and may, and perhaps this was part of it too, that the te- technology piece, but I really want to get into class culture and school culture and culture, that kind of culture is what I'm talking like class culture, school culture. How, how is that feeling these days and since the pandemic? Cause you've experienced that before the pandemic and then within the pandemic, at least at the school that we're, you know, you know, Kip Journey, where you've been at since you've been in middle school. What is that difference like? Do you notice stress, stressors increasing within this new pandemic context or, or not? I think I definitely have experienced the negative effects that have been augmented or increased by the pandemic. And I think the real reason because uh, the real reason behind this is because people don't really have a grounding. And so there's been a lot of bullying going along, going mm-hmm. around. And there's been a lot of tearing other people down or making them feel negative or making them feel as though they're self-conscious, as though they really have this doubt and they're incredulous of their own identity because they're bringing into question everything that they previously assumed to be things that were just the fundamental level for themselves. And all of that is being challenged. And people, you know, without any basis, without any grounding, often go to others who they find attacking another person. And to be confirmed in that group really gives them that affirmation of I'm important, I'm significant. And so there has been some bullying going around. But I think that's only one portion of it. Mm-hmm. Another one is really being a high achiever and being and trying to do your best on everything. And like I said before, often this can have some negative detrimental effects because this can often translate into perfectionism or comparing yourself to other people. Because when you look at your own accomplishments, your own achievements, and compare that to those of another person, say someone you regard as smart, then you often doubt yourself. And you often feel as though that you're not living up to some sort of standard that no one really ever mentioned. And you're just sort Mm. of inventing these own expectations for yourself that aren't really reasonable, logical, or rational. It's just simply because you feel this way and you feel this, you feel the sense that you need to do better and you need to achieve more and you need to be more productive or maybe Mm. not even more productive, but just do better somehow whether it be on the test, whether it be on an exam, whatever it is. Do you think that Charles um, comes from school and parents or one more versus the other? I think it's really a combination of both. Mm -hmm. Because if you go to school, then what you're seeing is uh, something I've also really seen is Something that's emphasized, even when teachers are trying to be as supportive as they can, you know, are trying to support your triumph over all of the different academic obstacles that you're likely to face, they they emphasize and stress just getting a good grade or achieving Mm. mastery. But I think something that we really need to focus on is the effort being put in and the journey. Mm you know, how long, how much you've grown. And I think there really has been that shift and change where we're starting to look at and we're starting to regard with more importance how people have changed, how they've developed rather than just where they are now. Looking at the context, the full picture, then a minuscule detail. And also I think it's parenting. um, And this can be for a variety of reasons. 
you know, traumatic events, maybe your parents were divorced or the way they taught you, because maybe they have their own insecurities. Mm -hmm. And the way they express that to you is by uh, possibly, by possibly diminishing all of your victories, all of the things you do Mm -hmm. well and stressing and making more important what you've done wrong. And so I really think it's a combination of both. And for some people, maybe more education, for others, it'd be maybe more parents, but I think it's both uh, for everyone. So you've said a lot of important things there, a lot of really interesting insights. And one of the things I wanted to touch on in what you said, at some point in time, you were talking about identity and having a groundedness in your identity. And I was curious how you think mindfulness can play a role and helping students have a groundedness, a, like a, a security in their, in their own identity, you know, feeling confident for the uniqueness and beautiful person that they are. Because when I, and, and you know, I've talked to Star as well, and she also talked about having, you know, bullies, you know, and that being a, a very stressful, difficult thing that you navigate in school. And looking at, well, where's that coming from? And, and I think it sounds like when, when she was on and, and we talked and what you were saying is that there's this insecurity in who I am as a person. And it's like, I'm going to try to take that insecurity out on someone else. So how, how do you think mindfulness can help bridge that? Yeah, that I internal hope. like division is what, when I say bridge that, like that internal division that that you, you are a solid person and, and amazing and, and, and beautiful. And, and there are steps you can take to begin to recognize that. Yeah. So I really think mindfulness can help and aid in this particular issue by allowing people to, first of all, become more aware, because I think we need to be cognizant of our own bodies. And a meditation I really like doing is a body scan. And body scan has been shown to have many benefits upon different parts of the brain, being more aware of your body. And being aware of your body can help you just become much more conscious of the sensations you're feeling, but also to recognize that there may be some tension and there may be some emotions that have bottled up. Because oftentimes when we're going through all of our different routines, all of our different habits, we sort of overlook those different details. But when we have a body scan and other meditations that focus upon really honing in upon the body, they are able to truly see what you're feeling and Mm -hmm. what has been accumulating and how you can try and have that diffuse and just lessen and calm it down. Additionally, I also think that meditation, I also think that meditation helps you to just alleviate all of, all of the different things that you felt throughout the day and all of the different things that happened yesterday or whatever time preceded the meditation, because it just allows you to be here, present in the moment. Mm. Uh, and, and not just meditation, but mindfulness in general. Yeah. It really helps you to just be present in the moment. And I think that's so powerful because we're looking, because the human mind is very great because we can look into the future, we can look into the past, but whenever we're not able to just look here and now, we can become so consumed that we're not able to actually proceed for uh, forward. Uh, it, it's like we're stuck in our own our own web of stories that we create yeah. in our heads. And and I appreciate you talking about the power of using body scans. Such a great tool uh, to recognize how we feel. 
you know, what's going on within us. So we're aware of what's happening on the inside and we're not taking it out on the outside. And that's not to say, and, and I've talked many times as, as you um, ho- hopefully remember in, in, in the lessons that we've talked about and I've taught is that it is a, a practice. It's not perfection. We're not going to get it right all the time. Uh, we're not going to be a hundred percent aware, you know, we're, we're humans, um, but it's that, that pursuit and the practice and, and that, that heart that you put into it. I think that really makes that the difference and helps you discover that who you are at your essence. When you discover that essence of who you are, you do feel confident and grounded. You know, it gives you that sense of, I know who I am. And when I know who I am, I can actively choose my values. I know my agency. I know that what I do makes a difference. And, and, and so I, I'm curious how others that are listening can know, how do, they, how do you practically use this in your schedule throughout the day? When they, you know, when people hear, you know, a lot of people might say, I don't know, I don't have time. When am I going to do that? I don't want anybody knowing I'm doing that. You know, I don't want anybody having this opinion. You know, we talked about how people care about other people, especially in middle school. There's this, you know, I don't, I want, there's that sense of, I don't want anybody thinking badly about me. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and how can we use these tools in a practical way? How can students use them in a practical way? Yeah, so a way that students can use this in a practical way is number one, just doing it in the morning. And I think uh, doing it in the morning allows you to not have anyone else knowing about it besides possibly your parents or those who are uh, close with you. And people like that we generally trust. And so I think doing it in the morning, and, and, and additionally, besides that, also doing it in the morning helps you set the intention for the day. It allows you to say that I'm going to be calm, I'm going to be present, and I'm not going to allow another person to deter me from doing that. Mm. Um, another way that you can implement it is possibly through a diary. Maybe mm-hmm. if you're writing out your thoughts and you're being meditative about it, like looking at it about how I feel, or possibly even writing an affirmation and seeing how your body feels after that. Because I'm sure there are other li- there are listeners who may have a diary and no one knows about that. And so that may be a secure place to jot down your thoughts um, and to meditate on those things, maybe to affirm yourself uh, through writing. And that can be another way to put in mindfulness. And finally, it could just be taking a few deep breaths during your lunch break or during another break in the day. Mm-hmm. Because I think taking a few deep breaths really just helps you calm yourself. And while it may not have the same effect as a full-fledged meditation, it really just allows you to, uh, it really just allows you to take back control of whatever was happening and to allow yourself to feel that renewed energy and that renewed uh, confidence in yourself and who you are. I love that. Yes, definitely. Uh, Something that I am always talking about how practical it is. You don't need any special equipment and you can determine these times during the day you know, one minute, two minutes, three minutes, huge advocate of taking care of your mind, heart, and body in the morning before the day begins and multiple times throughout the day, especially when you have triggering moments, 
somebody said something, you got something wrong. You have that. I feel like a failure. You talked about perfectionism. I, I resonate with that as well. You know, I, I really work on my own perfectionism that can be debilitating sometimes and realize that as long as I stay in action and I keep working and, and just doing the best I can, right. We talked about effort and what am I growing? Am I learning? That's super important. It's not always about that grade, right? It's more about that process. And am I gaining something from this experience? Am I growing? That's so important. I'm, I'm curious about students that you perhaps have interacted with where there's been resistance to the practices, because I think that a lot of educators or leaders, parents listening to our conversation, they might want to know from a student's perspective, how do we, how do we invite those students in that are being resistant to trying mindfulness practices to help them have stronger identities, build more resilience and mental fortitude to have that sense of agency and calm in their life so they can truly succeed on their own terms, on their own journey. Yeah. So I think one of the things you can do is, first of all, presenting many more options about what mindfulness means. Because for some people, mindfulness is immediately linked to yoga or meditation or some sort of some sort of other form of mindfulness but i think presenting those different options allows people to select which one they feel is most appropriate for them like Like different tools like just having different different tools tools. yeah yeah different tools like um like buzz breath or like Mm -hmm. i said before a body scan Mm -hmm. those different techniques that we learn because i've heard some students say in my own personal experience that they don't like how during yoga, some parts of their body are, are stretched. Mm. Or so maybe they might, they may want to just sit cross-legged, do deep breathing. Maybe that yeah. would be better for them. So I think that's a real way that you could present it to people who are resistant. It's challenging those preconceived notions or beliefs about what mindfulness truly is. Because I think now we're starting to have a greater understanding that's much more expansive than simply just yoga or meditation. There's truly so many ways they can be mindful or aware mm-hmm. without having it just being confined to one of those uh, individual practices. Yeah, I love that. Just having these variety of tools to be able, I call them access points, uh, to be able to um, use the one that resonates with you the most. So you have that as a, a coping skill and as an optimization skill. And what I mean by that is when you were talking about getting prepared for the day in the morning, you know, we, you, you're optimizing your system and your mind, your body and your heart to be in its best space possible. It's where you take control of your day. And you're going to say, no matter what comes my way, I'm going to lean back on this intention that I set for myself today. And remember what you want to create and that you have that control over your day. There are things that we don't control, of course, but we do have that control over how we're going to respond when these things come our way. So I do appreciate um, underscoring, sharing with teens and others that are resistant, just a variety of practices. It doesn't have to look one way and to keep trying, you know, that one day you might use it and it's awesome. And another, you're like, ah, this is not the tool I need and I need a different one. 
and that's okay. That's why you have different tools. Um, I, I have one more question before I, before I ask a couple of my last questions. And I was so curious, um, how, how mindfulness helps you through the stressors. And you've kind of touched on this throughout our conversation, but how does it help you reduce the stress that you're facing as a student and just as a teen in general, growing up with all the things that you guys are going through these days, being more connected and your attention hijacked, honestly, more than ever with technology? Yeah, so, um, okay. So the way that mindfulness just helps me getting through my days is it's very complex and it's very intricate because it really, it really helps me to just look at myself objectively without all of the emotions blinding me, without anyone else's statement hurting me or making me downtrodden or dejected. I'm just there and I'm observing. And that's something mm. that I really like about mindfulness and meditation is that you don't necessarily just have to take a positive or a negative view. You may not have to take a view at all. You're There's neutral. Yeah, you're neutral. There's no judgment. Mm -hmm. You're not finding yourself trapped in one point of view. It's sort of like the it's sort of like you're just looking at the sky on a hill and you're not really saying, okay, I like this or I don't like it. You're just there and you're just able to relax and calm down. And another thing that has really helped me with mindfulness is just becoming more aware of my tendencies. You know, becoming more aware of what I'm actually doing uh, on a regular basis. And so that I'm not surprised when another person tells me about them because I already know. And not just that, meditation, uh, well, not just meditation, sorry. Mindfulness gives me the tools and the different, uh, the different abilities, right, that I need to overcome those different te uh, tendencies, those different habits that I may have established maybe during my childhood, during another part of my life. And so with those tools, I'm really able to say that this is something I can take control over. I have sovereignty over this. This is my body and I'll learn how to live within it without judging myself all the time or being too harsh. Just being able to look at myself uh, for who I am without all of those uh, excessive emotions. I love it. You really spoke to the heart and the power of mindfulness, having that, <clears throat> excuse me, that ability to be the objective observer, to be in that neutral position to say, oh, that's an interesting thought or wow, that space that I noticed in my body scan when I feel contraction in my body, curious what that is without saying, gosh, I must be terrible because look at all this contraction <laughs> that's happening. That it's, well, that's interesting. Why is that happening? You know, and just having that curious, neutral, objective observer lens on can definitely help us reduce that stress because we're not putting it through the lens of turning it into a story and adding value judgments. This is good. This is bad. This is good. This is bad. And doing that all day long. It so happens and we're human. We're going to do that. Um, but the more that we can say, oh, look what I'm doing. Let's go back and just put on our mindful lens and just have that observation, that objective observer. That's awesome. Uh, and so happy that you're able to have those experiences because voices like yours, Charles, as a student in middle school and you sharing your story and just your insights today can inspire and empower others 
your age and beyond to be curious, to try mindfulness or to expose it to their kids more, or if there are other students listening to try it themselves that perhaps, you know, said, nah, that's not for me. I've told you my story, all my students many times before that I said, I swore I was never going to do yoga and mindful is not my thing. And look what I do today, a decade later, commit my whole life's work to this. And, you know, I think it speaks to the power of what, what these practices can do for us in, uh, in our own journeys and for our own identity development and our own success on our own terms. Okay, so we're going to wind down, Charles, and I'm going to ask you a couple of questions here just to close out our time. It's been so great. It's been such an honor, uh, definitely, as someone who's taught you before. And um, just been really, I'm excited for others to um, be able to get your little gems here. So I want to know, um, and you've touched on this before when we were talking about different challenges, is I would love for you, though, to specifically talk about, or you can elaborate a little bit more on what you've talked about earlier, is tell us about a challenge that you've navigated through middle school and how, how did you navigate that challenge? Did you use your mindfulness practices? Did you use something else? Because many people on this planet are going through challenge. They want to know how to navigate challenge in a healthy way. And they want to know how others are doing it so they can listen and be inspired and empowered to navigate challenge in their own way based on perhaps something you've done. So I would love for you to share, tell us about a challenge that you've navigated through middle school and how did you get through that challenge? Yeah. So I think this is going to become a bit more personal uh, because there was actually sort of a state I was, I wouldn't say depressed, but it was almost like this chronic sadness. And I didn't really know where I fit in and everything. It wasn't really just because there were bullies, because frankly, I don't really, bullying is not something, it's something that I've learned how to contend with and something mm-hmm. I've learned how to confront. It was really more internal. It was really something of this questioning, of this skepticism of myself. Do I really belong here? Because sometimes it was a combination of looking at other students and the work they were producing or looking at a few other kids and seeing how they were improving or how they were being lauded or being praised, right? But I was just, it seemed like I was almost static and and everything, all of my successes just seemed to disappear. It was mm-hmm. like the failure was the only thing there. It was mm-hmm. like the lightness, uh, not the lightness, the light was completely blacked out it was Mm -hmm. completely removed and it was just darkness there and I think meditation really helped me because it helped me to simply just become aware of myself first and foremost and have an asylum or refuge or a safe place within myself number one because at this time and even now somewhat I don't really talk to other people I'm more someone who likes to just be on his own but Meditation, uh, well, mindfulness really helped me in just coming back to myself and referring back to what I know to be true. And that is, I'm here, I'm present, I'm a human being, you know, I have value. And there's something above all of this that I may be feeling. And once I was aware of those things, and I was reminded of them, then I was able to tell myself and affirm within myself that this was not how things had to be. 
And from there, I've started to try and improve my life. I've adopted a few other habits, such as reading. Um, I now journal sometimes. I also try and draw. And really, it's been this uh, just these series of steps of trying to, you know, in a pragmatic, practical way, just remove, just to eliminate all of this need to wail or to just stay within this sadness, but to really allow myself to explore the other parts of my life that are much more positive and amplifying their effect uh, upon who I am. And so it really has just been a wonderful thing of mindfulness and how it's allowed me to be aware and just to overcome those different, uh, that challenge in particular. So powerful. It sounds like what I'm hearing for, from our conversation today is that mindfulness really helps bring that awareness to all the places and spaces that can help you, that give you access to know what it is you're feeling, why, and what next steps to take uh, that are in your own best interest. And I love that. So thank you for sharing. All right. And you are on Mindful Living with Athea Davis. So I love to ask all my guests on the show, what does mindful living mean to you, Charles? Okay. Mindful living to me just means being conscious and making this conscious voluntary effort to be aware and to not overshadow anything you feel may be negative or to not look at with more, you know, exigence or as if it's more demanding or significant, what's positive. What truly I think mindful uh, living is, is being aware of all of those different things. It's still being able to be more than that. And I think something I love about mindfulness, and I think this is truly the essence of mindful living, is being above your thoughts, mm. uh, being above your emotions, your feelings, all those things in the moment, and just being present, right? And not allowing those things to consume you. I really think that's what mindful living is. And I truly think that's the lifestyle that's most beneficial to all of us. And that can really have wonderful effects upon the way we go about living our lives uh, in today's era, today's modern era. I love it. Thank you so much, Charles. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you for sharing your insights and your wisdom, your heart, all the things. Thank you. Hey there, and welcome back to the flip side of my chat with seventh grade student Charles O. You have been listening to the Student Voices series, episode 126, Student Life, Culture, and Wellbeing, part one, here on Mindful Living with Athea Davis. I know that you just loved our conversation. Charles is such a great communicator and has some really awesome insights. So happy. He was thrilled to come on the show and share his experience with all the things about being a middle school student, life culture, and well-being, and how mindfulness is helping him navigate all the things. Thank you, Charles. You are a gem. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share it with your students. Maybe make it part of your lesson or share it with your kids at home. Share it with your leaders and teachers. Share it far and wide. Uh, and if you really, um, you know, if, if you enjoyed the show as well, I, you know, I'd love for you to take a screenshot and share it on your favorite social media platform. Uh, tag me at Athea Davis to just really get his voice's story out there. I know that 
he would really appreciate it. I would appreciate it. I love to see our students spread their magic spark and coming on the show is one way of all the many ways Charles is out in the world doing that. So I uh, would uh, love to see you sharing it far and wide. And if we are not yet connected on social media, make sure you connect with me, Adithia Davis. I'm on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Athea underscore Davis. I will link those in the show notes. And if you want to send a note to Charles via my DM or email, definitely let me know. Let him know that you appreciated him sharing his journey. I would be so honored to share any feedback that you have about the Student Voices series. And I know we would both really appreciate it. So I hope you're out there doing well, uh, tuning into and spreading the awesome sauce here, there, and everywhere. Remember, you know, the world needs your magic spark in action. So uh, just like I, I hope seeing my uh, former seventh uh, middle school student, now seventh grader, coming on the show today inspired you to get out there and speak your magic into action. All right, I'm voting your victory, loving you, and I will see you in the next episode. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Mindful Living Podcast with me, your host, Athea Davis. Think of me as your extra sparkly, good vibes, and no-nonsense guide, reminding you to take intentional action and choose to be the person today you want to become tomorrow. The world needs your sparkle, your joy, your gifts in action. Speaking of, I have a free gift for all my podcast listeners. Go now and subscribe to my email list and get your free health and wellness guide, awesome sauce insights at soulsenseyoga.com. And take a moment to rate and review my podcast on iTunes or wherever you may find yourself listening to Mindful Living with Athea Davis. I truly appreciate your time and feedback so I can continue to deliver valuable content to each of you. Until next time, have an awesome sauce day, friends.